right, so, hello everybody, we're going to try to do this driving thing again, we've got a lot of errands to run, so just trying to take care of that kind of stuff while I'm out, just trying a little twist, see how these different twists work as far as sound quality, because one sounded like I was uh, on the phone talking to y'all. One kind of sounded like I was in the car talking to you. Hopefully this sounds a little little better, but we'll see. Um, the point is, as long as you can hear what I'm saying, we're good. Um, and as more people start to listen to the program, start getting some feedback, and, and really start getting to... Um, you know, make a difference about what's, what's happening here, right? Um, and again, I, I don't know what all is going to go down, uh, with this president. Um, I, I keep hoping for the best because I'm one of those people that don't want to see bad things happen. I may perceive bad things to happen, but I don't want to see it. Um, because you, I feel as a public servant, you have to be prepared, Right. You're doing a disservice in public service if you're not prepared for uh, worst-case scenarios, right? And so, um, I don't know. I just, I'm just really kind of worried now. We've gotten to a point where, First of all, two other people died in El Paso. That's the first thing we need to notify. So the total is 22 in El Paso, and overall 31 have died. Uh, have not heard any other updates since I've been out and about. But, um, yeah, it's really kind of a sad deal when... Um, um, we still don't know what the final total is going to be because of all of the uh, different scenarios that are out there, right? We still have a lot of people in both cities, Dayton and in El Paso, that uh, are in critical condition. So we just have to wait and see um, just how that how that goes, right? Um but speaking about El Paso, that my biggest concern today is the peace of the city, right? The peace of El Paso. Now, a lot of people know El Paso as a city that's been on the border for a long time. It's one of America's older cities as far as settlements go, right? They brag about being a city 150 years before the United States or 100 years or whatever, right? Um, you know, and it's like, and, and that's a rich history that they should be proud of, right? And it's always been a history where uh, it's the tale of two countries, um, tale of two cultures even. And so, you know, when there's an opportunity to see those cultures mix, those cultures interact, 
uh, it's a beautiful thing. If it's a positive interaction, if it's negative interaction, it's a horrible thing. Um, you know, when cultures collide, that's usually the worst in America, right? When cultures get along, that's usually why America is the appealing nation that it is, right? Um, so, having said that, you know, El Paso has bragged for a number of years, and it really came to light when their former congressman ran for the U.S. Senate, Beto O'Rourke, and he kind of took the nation by storm um, by, uh, you know, bragging that El Paso was one of the safest cities in America. And statistically, that, that had proven to be true, right? That El Paso was one of the safest cities. Um, so, of course, this city is totally stunned by what has happened. And there's divided emotions about it. Beto O'Rourke is probably the most famous politician for most people in El Paso right now. Um, but he's a Democrat. And the mayor of El Paso is a Republican. As is the governor of Texas, as is the lieutenant governor of Texas. Right? It's Texas. <laughs> so, uh, there's that, right? But... Having said that, right, when we we have a disaster, you want people to be able to work together and to make some stuff really happen. And considering that the President of the United States is a Republican, he's got supporters out of that group of people, and, um, you know, they, he, um, he, he, he wants to come. He wants to, you know, this was his first step of quote-unquote being healer-in-chief was having the press conference, which didn't go quite as planned. But, of course, if you follow Twitter, he's blaming the media for that, right? You know, and I'm sorry that we have a press in the United States that holds people accountable. I mean, when I was an elected official, I was held accountable for stuff. Other elected officials, all elected officials, for the most part, have been held accountable for things that they have said or have not said, right? Or, you know, actions that they've taken or have not taken, right? And so uh, the, the media in the United States, Thomas Jefferson, said it was the fourth state of government, right? That's how important a free press is. And they're going to, if they're doing their job objectively, they're going to hold everyone that has been elected to public service accountable. That's just how that rolls, right? So Trump is not happy about that. He thinks that it's the media's fault that his speech did not go over the way that it was supposed to go over, that it didn't start the healing process the nation desired, right? And, uh, you know, and that's, and that's understandable that he's disappointed, but to thine own self be true, right? You need to look in the mirror. Michael Jackson said, the man in the mirror is the problem, right? That's you. You set the tone and something tragic happened based off of the tone that you set, right? 
And then, of course, he's also mad that the previous president, President Obama, weighed in. Didn't call him by name, but everybody in their grandma know he was talking about him. He's throwing shade on the president, right? And he was like saying, well, you know, Bush didn't say nothing bad about him. To be honest, Mr. President, the previous president didn't say anything to inspire people to go out and kill folks. Your rhetoric, not only... Just as a reminder, so people understood the magnitude of what Trump was saying, not only are we dealing with what happened in El Paso, but you remember that guy who had this van and was going around in the van, uh, had pictures of different Democrats on the van with crosshairs on them and all this pro-Trump, anti-Democratic rhetoric on the van, and he was delivering... He had mailed pipe bombs to every Democrat that he had access to, as far as, you know, high-profile national Democrats. He mailed pipe bombs to them, right? <laughs> and he did that in the name of President Trump. It's like, his, you know, his tribute to him and his support for his rhetoric and his policies, Right? So that guy got sentenced to 20 years in the midst of all this stuff while we were talking about what happened in Dayton and in El Paso, right? 20 years. So, uh, in light of that, right, Mr. President, you, you, you still have to be accountable for what you've done. You can't, you can't, uh, how can I say that? You can't really ignore that what you said made a difference. Right? You can't do that. So, anyway. Um, so now the president wants to come to El Paso. Now the mayor of El Paso has, and I'm probably saying the city's name wrong because my Spanish is god awful. And that's really bad considering I actually took that school, right? Oh. <laughs> but, nonetheless, um, El Paso, Texas, the mayor of El Paso, Texas, has said that yeah, people are going to be upset, but he accepted the invitation. Yeah, I mean, he, he offered he offered the invitation, or he accepted the president's request to come, however you want to word it, however it was initiated, right? So that's over with. Uh, allegedly, that's a done deal. The president is coming to El Paso, Texas um, for the photo op, the mortar-in-chief deal, you know. And of course, Beto O'Rourke is not really happy with that. So, we live in such a cycle, right, that we kind of forget things. Donald Trump was in El Paso not too long ago. <laughs> it was either earlier this year or late last year, but he was in El Paso, Texas, right? He, I think it was earlier this year, and he had a rally because this was all about the immigration stuff. And he wanted to make it clear, 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 you know, that even in Beto O'Rourke's hometown, he had support for what he was pushing. 
he had support for the rhetoric he was espousing, right? And so he uh, he had this rally. Well, Beto O'Rourke decided to let the president know then that he wasn't really welcoming El Paso at that point. And so he put together a counter-rally and where more people showed up to Beto's rally in El Paso than did President Trump's rally, right? And of course, now President Trump lied and said that that was not the case, that his rally had more people. But according to every news outlet, including Fox, that was not the case. More people showed up at Beto O'Rourke's event than at Trump's event, the counter that Beto did. And it would seem natural considering that Beto is a former councilman and a former congressman for that area. So naturally, you would think that he could generate a giant crowd because he's been organizing in that city for years. It just makes sense. And I understand Donald Trump has the, the ego of, of all egos. I get that. You know. But reality is reality, dude. You and his, you know, when the, when the Yankees play in Boston, Boston fans are going to outnumber Yankee fans. You just got to deal with that fact. You may not like it if you're a Yankee fan, but let's be real. <laughs> you're in Boston, Right? Mr. President, you were in El Paso where Beto O'Rourke has his cut his political teeth. Surely you didn't think that you were have more people show up at at his place for you than him having something. Now, if you and him were cool, that wouldn't have happened. But since he hates your guts and you hate his politically. That did happen. And you have to deal with that. And, and here's, here's the scary thing. This is where all this is leading up to. It's getting ready to happen again. What I am afraid of at this particular point is that it's not going to be peaceful. Right? What I'm afraid of is that the emotions are really, really high right now. And I don't really see a positive end game at this particular point for that. I just don't see it. And that's me being the harbinger of bad news or whatever you want to call it. But it is what it is. I don't see at this particular point in time, right, the value of the President of the United States showing up while the emotions are this high. Especially in El Paso. Now, in Dayton, and then, and then Dayton is, they, they really threw with him because he said Toledo on national TV, and he didn't apologize for that. Here's the thing, man. Here is the thing. When you make a mistake, you're 70 freaking years old. When you make a mistake, admit that you made the mistake. You made a mistake and said Toledo, Ohio, instead of Dayton. And you never apologize for that. So now you got another presidential candidate from Ohio even 
raging upset with you. This is a member of Congress. So if he drops out, he's still in Congress. He's still going to give you a problem. No apology, nothing. Right? So we don't even think that that situation... <laughs> I, don't, I don't even think the president is even going to entertain going to date. You know what I'm saying? Um, and I don't think the mayor would want him there at this particular point. The way she kind of made a little snide remark is like, well, maybe he, he, he hadn't called me. Maybe he thinks he's going to Toledo. I mean, she was pissed. She was pissed. Here I am dealing with a, a tragedy, and you can't even get the damn name of the city right. Now, Joe Biden screwed up, too, but they, they covered that up as quick as they could. But he screwed up, too. He said Houston and Michigan, Lord Jesus, right? Anyway, so there's more about the Toledo thing. We got to pick up on the other side, but, um, yeah, Mr. Trump, with all due respect, if you understand the history, which you don't, but if you understood the history of the United States, you understood bloody Kansas under the Fillmore and Pierce and Buchanan disasters that led to the Civil War, right, that Lincoln had to administer, uh, don't go to El Paso this week. Don't do it. Take your time. Reassess the situation. Somewhere along the line, act like you know what the word I'm sorry means. I, I, I regret, even. And then once you do that, then maybe you can consider. I, I, I'd probably would sit down. It was me. I'd probably at least sit down and try to talk with Beto O'Rourke either by phone uh, and just say, hey, man, you know, I know we have our differences. I know we're going to be battling this issue out, but I want to come and, and talk to the people and offer some encouragement. Would that be cool? We ain't got to be side by side, but would that be cool? That's what leaders do. Anyway, we'll be back. for a couple of things. First thing, how long the last segment went, but I, I had to get that point out about how I felt about the uh, uh, you know, the president coming to El Paso. I, I just think that's a bad idea. But sorry about that. And then also too, I don't know how the quality is going to be. I'm still out running errands. I'm actually in traffic so I've got time, <laughs> uh, but it's just, you know, I don't know how the sound's going to be in the second half. But nonetheless, I wanted to talk about Dayton. Because in Dayton, Ohio, we, we still don't know officially what happened, right, as far as what was the motivation. Uh, we just know that this man, young man, killed nine people, including his sister, injured dozens of others within a span of 30 seconds. And that's only because of the the police presence that was there already uh, that's normally there uh, that was able to 
keep it from getting any worse, right? Um, but a report has come out, and it was on CNN. I have not seen it on any other news outlet. But there's a report out that um, the young man who was involved in the shooting in Dayton was a sympathizer for Antifa. So for those of you who need to be refreshed on who Antifa is, y'all remember Charlottesville? Y'all remember the fact that the white nationalists were protesting for two days and they were fighting somebody on the second day, which led to the dude getting in the car and running over the woman and killing her, and now he's in jail for 20 years, and the clash was so bad that a state trooper flying the helicopter, supposed to be on crowd control, ended up crashing, and he died too, right? So the people that the white nationalist clan members were fighting was the Antifa people. And Antifa is short for anti-fascist. Okay. These were the people that had the black biker helmets on, the black flak jackets, throwing trash cans and newspaper uh, dispensers at people. And when they had this march in Portland, when the white nationalists had their march in Portland, uh, Antifa was there. And they were the ones that threw the concoction of quick-dry concrete in cups at this conservative blogger and injured him and put him in hospital. So that's these folks. So, supposedly, they have found stuff on the young man's computer that that would imply or suggest that he is a sympathizer with Antifa and people that now are against white nationalists, right? So, let me deal with my cynical self first, right? I pray to God that this is actually a true report and this is not something that has been concocted by some kind of bot or right-wing source uh, that may smack us some credibility where the news outlets ran with it, but it hasn't been verified or whatever. I'm, I'm hoping that they would have verified that, right, that that just did get put out there. I want, I, in a sense, I want it to be true for journalistic integrity, because if it is not true, then this is clearly the most heinous, worst deflection attempt ever. Because the heat is coming on these white nationals, the heat is coming on these racists, right, that you would put out a report that the other shooting was related to the folks that have taken violent means against you are, right? And, you know, and Antifa is perfect for Fox News and all these other conservative things because now that gives them a boogeyman on the left that they can identify and say, see, see, all these folks, they're not just little peace-loving people. They're, they're, they're violent, too. They're capable of doing violent stuff. 
And so um, that would really be unfortunate if that is true. Right? But if it's false, I think it's more unfortunate. I think it's sad that if, if, if this is being made up, if this is being concocted to throw the scent off, keep the pressure off, folks, then, you know, I, that's really, really sad. However, if this is true, if this is really, really true, then we have a huge problem. A powder keg has been lit in this country. This is huge. So let's just imagine this scenario, right? If, if the report in, out of Dayton is true about who this kid is, is supporting, right, or who influenced him, right? So we get word out of El Paso, Texas, that a white nationalist supporter has shot up a Walmart. We get this report. And everybody's dealing with that. And then 13 hours later, 1,600 miles away, a kid who supports Antifa decides, all right, white nationalists are going to shoot up some folks, then I'm going to shoot up some folks. Show them. Right? They want to kill people. We we, we want to show that we can show we can kill people. If this is true, if this is how it is, when history is finally written about this particular day, if that is how it went down, God help us that we have a country left to write the history book about this day. Because that is the ultimate dangerous scenario that people who support either side have resorted to being that violent, right? We will never achieve any kind of peace. We're Again, this is going back to the bloody Kansas kind of scenario dealing with the slavery question. If this is if this is the scenario that is true, we have a major major problem on our hands, as big if not bigger than the gun issue that everybody's trying to deal with at this particular point. Whenever these mass shootings take place, right? We we have not only a cultural divide, we have a violent cultural divide, and rhetoric by leaders need to be in check from this point forward. No matter what side you're on. And let's be clear. When we say people are who they say they are, right, who we identify them as, that's not inciting rhetoric. That's truth-telling. You are who we thought you were. Right? If you are a racist, you are a racist, period. Now, what would be different is if I was going around telling people that support me or believe in what I'm doing to go out and do bodily harm to people that I disagree with politically, no matter how hideous the position is of the opposition, right? That is not what a leader does. 
not unless you are at war with those people. And unless you have declared war on a country, nation, state, whatever. Yeah. You, as a leader, you, you're not supposed to do that on your own citizens. Right? You're not supposed to do that. Not even people are visiting. You're not supposed to do that. So there's a difference between inciting violence and calling people out. So don't twist that. Don't say, well, you said that the president's a racist. That's incendiary. No, it's not. It's true. It's true. His deniability doesn't make it less true. It just means he denies it in public. But that's not that's not inciting violence by truth telling. So let's be clear on that. Right? When you say send them back, you say go get them. Somebody yells out in the crowd, just shoot them, and you just say, well, maybe it maybe in the Panhandle you can do it. That's inciting violence. That's irresponsible leadership. There's a difference. So, I, I haven't been around to see if that has been confirmed or not. Like I said, I've been out running errands and all that. But I, I just, if that is true, we've got a major, major problem that we really, really need to get a handle on right now. Everybody needs to do a check down right now, if that's the case. Got to. Because at some point in time, we can't just keep, we can't ignore history books. We can't ignore human nature. We can't ignore the American experience. At some point, we need to learn from it and realize that white privilege, white supremacy has never been a good formula for the United States of America. Never has, never will. That's got to stop. Because the, the height of it, it's always been a backlash toward leadership from people of color, you know, politically, spiritually, whatever, right? Even perception. It's it's like it's it's always been a way to control people instead of letting the course take its course. It was never meant for white men with money to control America, then it wasn't meant for it to happen. It wasn't if it was, wasn't the natural course. But they have done everything they can to make that happen, right? And so those of us who understand that that strategy, that mindset is not the way to go for America, especially white people who figure that out. That, this, is, this is not good, Right? It's not good to subjugate and be misogynistic to women. It's not good to uh, treat people of color as though they're second-class citizens. It's it's not good to be intolerant of people because they don't share the same sexual orientation. It's not good. And it's not a conservative American value. It's wrong is what it is. Right? You know. 
in your churches, in the privacy of your home, you handle your business the way you handle your business. You want to smoke? Whatever. But in the public domain, and especially if you take on the mantle of being a leader, you have an obligation to fulfill. When you took that oath to defend the Constitution, the very first paragraph says that your job is to promote the general welfare. Creating an environment in which two men, two young men, who may be political opposites, decided that the solution they agreed to was to shoot up everybody they saw in public is not the direction this country needs to go. In no way, shape, or form. And those of us who have been in leadership, those of us who are in leadership, we have responsibilities. Those of us who no longer have those privileges of being in assemblies or being in Congress or being in state houses or the White House, we have an obligation to set a tone verbally and to heed warnings. And to, and to guide and try to be a conscience for people to understand we've gone too far, we're crossing the line now. And those who have been given the responsibility, continued responsibility, new responsibility, whatever, to be elected officials, y'all got to do some work. Y'all got to pass some legislation. There's song and dance and all that stuff. You know, we didn't go to recess in school until we finished our work. I I mean, I understand the political process, but this is why people get upset with people in politics. How you how you gonna ask how you gonna ask for a recess for five months to ask people to give you your job back and you ain't doing your job? We gotta go to work, people. We got we gotta we gotta we gotta fix this because if that report is true coming out of Dayton. All bets are off. It's time to go to work. Because we cannot afford, this country cannot afford in the 21st century to engage in a civil war. We cannot. And if that means by by the end of 2020, everybody who's in elected position right now has to be gone so we can start anew, Let's do that. But I it's time to go to work, people. It's really time to go to work. And I am scared for my country right now, but not terrified. And so if this is my only tool to be able to start talking, something rational, start putting out there in the atmosphere that we gotta do better, we gotta do we gotta come across to each other in a different, more profound, more intelligent way, then then I'm going to do my part. But, yeah, we we got, that powder keg has been lit, and we got to put it out. Until next time.